Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson. And I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Welcome back to Live Free Creative. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson. Today, you're listening to episode number 199. What is happening? Almost 200 episodes down. Today, I'm so excited to share with you a conversation with my friend Allison Faulkner from Awesome with Allison. You are going to love tuning in and hearing about what she's been up to and her new book that comes out this week. This week. We have a really great conversation about some of the excerpts that I really loved reading her book, You're Already Awesome. And it's real. It's a real conversation. So I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we dive into the episode, I am going to share a quick peaks of the week. August always feels like the height of the summer to me, which is kind of hilarious because it's actually when the summer is usually slip sliding into fall. There's something about it though. Those It's kind of the dog days. I wanted to share three things that I'm obsessed with right now in my hot, humid Virginia summertime. The first one is Ellen Hildebrand fiction beach reads. If you haven't yet read Ellen Hildebrand novels, you may have been living under a rock because she has like 30 of them. <laughs> but also, they are all very similar in such a comforting way. Every single novel is set on or around Nantucket Island a darling little summertime island off the coast of Cape Cod, about 30 minutes out from Cape Cod by ferry. This is somewhere that I haven't yet been. I would love to go, although I feel like I know the island intimately because I am working my way down the list of Ellen Hildebrand novels. I don't remember how many I've read. Actually, this is a project. This Ellen Hildebrand novel list is something that I'm working on right now, so I will let you know when it's done. Maybe I'll make a printable for you podcast listeners. You can check off the list as you go. They're the same comfortable formula of beach beach life, a little bit of romance, a little bit of intrigue, maybe a tiny bit of mystery, lots of personal development among characters, like individual personal development, which I really like. And then just beautiful descriptions of the island spending time swimming in different areas or ponds or overlooking the ocean. I am a huge fan and it just feels like summertime to me. So 
Ellen Hildebrand. Check her out if you haven't yet. Number two peak of the week is a concoction that I have started really enjoying at my local 7-Eleven. So during the summer, I've always been a Slurpee girl. Grew up like walking distance from a 7-Eleven. Right now, we currently live walking distance from a 7-Eleven. There's something about a summertime Slurpee. I just feel like we all can totally be on board for that. Now, combine that with my adult semi-on-off relationship with Diet Coke, and you've got yourself a recipe for either disaster or genius. I'm going to call it the latter. I have started putting about an inch and a half of pina colada Slurpee in the bottom of my big gulp. And when I have the pina colada Slurpee mixed with my cold Diet Coke, I feel like I'm at Utah at a soda shop, which I don't live in Utah and I can't go to a soda shop. So if you live in Utah, Idaho, one of the places where there's a swig or a soda delicious or one of those fun, fancy soda, soda shops to go to, do that. That's also fun. If you live anywhere else in the country, <laughs> then you've probably got a 7-Eleven nearby. I have also tried the cherry. I think the cherry is good. It, it tastes like cherry Coke. Uh, the pina colada gives you that kind of dirty Diet Coke flavor that you get at a soda shop. If you have a little true lime packet in the car, <laughs> like I might, then that adds to it as well. It feels so tropically summery. You get your little bit of caffeine kick. You get your cold, you know, sparkly afternoon beach time, pool time beverage. I, you're welcome. That's all I can say about that. Slurpee, Diet Coke, you're welcome. And the final, final is my new lunch obsession. Again, summertime, high, I don't feel like really making food at all in the summer. Like I think everything we eat should just be straight from the garden or like cold fruit that we don't have to cook. This new two-ingredient lunchtime rescue has been my favorite. Trader Joe's, I'm sorry if you don't have a Trader Joe's, your local grocery store probably has some pre-made chicken salad in the deli. Trader Joe's has two varieties that I really like. One of them is more of like a country club version with poppy seeds and cranberries and walnuts and celery. That's kind of more like a traditional, what I would think of as a traditional chicken salad. They also have a really, really good curried chicken salad with raisins and that, you know, yellow curry, a little bit of cumin, a little bit of cinnamon flavor. It's so good. I just grab a tub of each of those during my weekly Trader Joe's grocery shopping trip, a soft baguette and some of those milk rolls. And that's what we're doing for lunch. Like almost every day, I just put a couple scoops of chicken salad onto a soft baguette and put some chips on the side, a couple sweet peppers from the garden, and we're good. I also have shared, like, you know, a couple years ago, I shared my very favorite chicken salad recipe, a rosemary grape celery chicken salad recipe that I made all the time when I lived and worked at the Sundance Deli. I didn't live there. I didn't live in the deli. I worked at the Sundance Deli. I lived in a little cabin nearby. That recipe is still phenomenal, and I love it. I just sometimes am not in the mood to, like, go through all the work of making the chicken salad myself, which is totally valid and the reason that Trader Joe's makes these two pre-made amazing chicken salads. So... That is my favorite summertime hack right now for lunch. Ellen Hildebrand, Slurpee, Big Gulp, and chicken salad with a baguette. You're welcome. Happy summer. Those are my peaks of the week. Now just a quick minute for me to tell you about my upcoming course. Do you often feel unfulfilled or stressed out or overwhelmed by your schedule? or chaos or the clutter in your house. In this upcoming six week guided course, I'll help you reset your mindset and consumer habits, recognize abundance right where you are, 
declutter and organize your home and your schedule, help you manage your relationship to your belongings, and help you create a personal plan so you can love your life every single day. I only offer Decluttered, my Intentional Living Masterclass, twice per year, and this is your chance. Each week of the course, you'll get a pre-recorded lesson with a worksheet, as well as a live group call to dig a little deeper and to ask any questions that you have. If you want to find out more, head to livefreecreative.co or the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the list to be the first to know when doors open next week. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest today, Allison Faulkner. Allison and I go way back. We met at a blogging conference way back in 2013. She was a personality that I had stumbled into online on Instagram and was so excited to meet her. We we got along really well. At the time that we met, Allison was expecting one of her children, her second born, and I was in this big dress as like a fancy party and I found a big balloon and I put it under my skirt and we took pictures together, me fake pregnant and Allison real pregnant and we were just kind of laughed about it ever since. Allison is a writer, a speaker, a nonsense dancer. She's a very reasonable, unreasonable human and believes in creating a life that you love, leaning into your strengths and dancing inappropriately whenever possible. Allison has been creating content online for over 10 years from essays on Instagram, cookies, courses, dance parties, and podcasts. She's used every method possible to share her passion and to show that sharing is caring. Allison has worked for Fortune 500 companies. She's been spotlighted on TV and magazines. She's grown this really incredible, highly engaged community through trial and error, a lot of love, and showing up as a human. She's obsessed with her family. She has three kids, a dog, a husband, a huge garden, and her own coop full of chickens, just like me. In every aspect of her business, Allison has been really open about sharing some of the struggles and trials from struggling with personal insecurities and mental health issues, as well as physically being hit by a car. And she'll share more about that uh, both on the show today and in her book. She has been through the ups and the downs and will tell you over and over again. In fact, she closes every podcast episode with this phrase, only you can be you and you are already as awesome as you need to be. Her new book out this week called You're Already Awesome invites you to consider 12 shifts in perspective that might help you feel a little bit more awesome. I'm excited to share this conversation with Allison today. Beyond all of her professional success and accolades in this amazing book that has come out, she's also just a really wonderful person, a kind, smart, fierce, loyal woman who I'm so grateful to have been able to interact with over the last 10 years and feel really connected to. Without further ado, let's jump into today's interview. Hey, Allison, I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Oh, this is the best, Miranda. We need to hang out more. Like, I don't know. I miss you. Remember when you were pregnant or was I pregnant? You were pregnant <laughs> and I shoved a balloon underneath my dress to look pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's really what it was. Yeah. Oh, we were so naive. We were so innocent. We had so much hope and and promise. <laughs> None of that has changed except for maybe the young and naive. Maybe you were a little bit wiser, oh, a little bit older for sure. Oh. That was 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Nine. Because you were pregnant with Rad. Yeah, probably. He's like yeah. nine. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes I sometimes I have to like remind myself not to be like this like crypt keeper like reaching a hand out of the grave. Come come young one, come listen. Come listen to my life experience. It's a little bit a little bit how I feel. But yeah. just very 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 grateful that you're having me on your podcast. I am a huge Miranda fan. You've been there for me so many times, been an integral part of a lot of the projects I've done over the years. And so, I mean, not like anybody listening to your podcast needs further endorsement of you. I'm going to give it. Well, that's really nice. And I'm sure a lot of, I've talked about you. I've mentioned you, some of your episodes. I was on your podcast a couple years ago and talked through that um, when my book came out. And I know that there's a lot of people who listen into this show that already are familiar with you. And I, I talk about you on the show sometimes like, oh, you know, Allison, as if like everyone knows. For those few who don't yet know of you and your work and the things that you're doing. Do you want to give them a little intro? Sure. My name is Allison. (laughs) With one L. With one L. And I have a podcast that I do with my husband here in Provo, Utah called Awesome with Allison. And I, over the years, have done a lot of different things, events, Uh, branding workshops. Miranda was one of the brand coaches. I do keynote speaking. Essentially, I just do whatever I feel like doing. And that's the life right there. That's I mean, you know, there's some pros and cons to that. We're saying that it works out monetarily sometimes and other times like we right, right. (laughs) And right when I was ready to quit in 2020, right when I was like, never mind, I've given enough. I've spoken enough. They they have all my words. I'm done. I'm going to go in a hole and be a hermit and be done. Um, I got a book deal, which is what I wanted my whole freaking thing. So um, I decided I wrote the book and then I still decided I didn't want to put it out. (laughs) Yeah. I need to hear some of these juicy details because the last we were in like close communication you were just get digging in, getting ready to go on writing and outlining yeah. and stuff. And I just kept thinking of you because like the way that I envisioned writing a book is like how Miranda lives her life, which is like scheduled and organized and on like a timeline. And that's not really what happened, but I am, <laughs> that's not really what happened for me, but, um, through it all, I am actually very, very, very excited. The book is called You're Already Awesome. And that's, you know, that kind of sums up what it is. I think what it is I've been trying to say over the last like decade, but really truly what it is I've been trying to believe about myself over the last decade. And so the book is inviting you to just realize you're already awesome. You don't have to be different. You don't have to do anything different. You don't have to become a different person. It's already within you. However, you might feel too drained or blocked or like you're sick of hearing all the things you need to do to be different, to feel better. Um, And so the way that the book is set up is with 12 shifts and they're just thought shifts. Um, I want to make a bumper sticker that says shift happens. So I'm working on <laughs> <I like that>. it. <laughs> it like only kind of makes sense. Then that like sums it up too, I think right? the people who get it, get it. They're going to get it. They're, They're going to get, get it. it. Yeah. So you guys are all in on the inside track. Right I love now. it. Yeah. Shift we'll happens. send you all bumper stickers. <laughs> yes. And, and that's really what I think it's been a, a journey for me to, to come to this place of, oh, the point isn't to achieve and accomplish and hustle. And I I did all that. 
you you've done all that Miranda we did all that mm-hmm. uh does it bring peace does it bring I don't know what you actually want so it's been a really beautiful um experience to both write the book go through my body breaking down a psychotic break having to completely step away from work and then come back to it and really believe in the message because it's what like has helped me survive and um live so I believe in it I'm excited it comes out on August 16th and that's me yeah Are we well, done? Uh, that, that's it yep so thanks for listening and <laughs> No, I love that though. It was really great um, reading the book. I think that you summed it up nicely that you really did. You've given like many sermons of things that you've been talking about for the last decade. And and I have, I have been so lucky and feel so grateful to have known you for that long and to have had in some ways a front row seat to a lot of the um, huge accomplishments and changes and, and shifts in your business and in your, your life, you know, with, not only Rad, but then Fiona and and seeing you at conferences year after year and being able to get together in person and work together on different things. Reading through the book felt like in some ways a recap of all of the most important lessons that you've taught and experienced over the last 10 years and um, kind of bringing them together under this theme of you're already awesome. You're already there. Um, how do you then believe that? How do you then start to feel that? Because it's so easy to say, and it's so cute to say, you know, you're That's already as awesome as, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're great. great. <laughs> uh, the, the big shift really is like going from thinking that you want to believe it to actually getting to that place where you can believe it. Right. And Absolutely. I think you do a really beautiful job in the book of giving those applied pieces where you're not just inspired by you're also invited to apply and to experiment with some of the tools oh, and techniques you. and skills That's that you really, share. I, I really wanted that. That was something I really wanted. I, I wanted the experience of reading the book to be refreshing and relaxing and peace giving rather than um, frantic action inducing where you're yeah. like, Oh, okay. I got to go implement this and I got to go implement this. And I got, I'm like, no, 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 no. You just get to read. Just if you read or listen to the book, we're just going to do it together. You know, if you're crying under your desk, you know, invite me under the desk. If you're under your covers, I'd love to come snuggle you, you know, yes. <laughs> so I, really, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. You did that really beautifully. So I have a few, um, I pulled out a few quotes as I was reading that I, that either like felt like important pieces that were, if I, you know, I don't have my hard copy yet, but when it arrives, hopefully this coming week, when we're recording this episode, the book is available for pre-order. And if you order it right now, you'll get it like in less than a week. So, um, that the link will be in the show notes. Make sure that you grab that. When I get my hard copy, I'm going to go back and highlight all of these pieces that I, I just screenshotted them. Um, so the first one that I came to was a piece about freedom. And um, mm-hmm. I my core value is freedom. I mean, it's my live brand is built Miranda. around it. <laughs> live free yeah. Miranda, live free creative. Um, there's this, there's a piece at the beginning where you talk about being a free agent of chaos, that you can be part of the process of creation, not just find joy or relief in the result. So I'm going to read that quote right here. And I want you to just um, explain a little bit more what it means to find joy in the process, not the result. So this okay. quote is, 
I like to scream, I am a free agent of chaos. The miracle is now I can find joy in the process of creation, not just joy or relief in the result. Flesh that out for me a little bit. What does it mean to find joy I, in the process and not I the result? You um, <laughs> like latched onto the free agent of chaos. Yeah. Because it really is like I had, you know, and this is what you and I were starting to talk about when I was like, I think we should record. And this, this is a, this is a kind of a good tie in to hopefully uh, give an example to this. So there was kind of this path that you and I, so first off, you and I kind of got started with the blogging and the Instagram when it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. OG. Yet. We are OG, yeah, we OG. In insta- just, interneters. Interneters. And that of course there were blogs and of course there were all these other things, but in terms of the community that you and I came up in looking back and especially as I I'll say I took myself out of it or I was taken out of it. It's a little bit like a gang. I like to say you get jumped in and I got jumped out. And I know that sounds like kind of rough, but I'm just going to say it because you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a, this, you know, we're all moving and we're all building these offices and you know, that you see the, the brands online and they're got the girl bosses and we're wearing our power blazers and, you know, we get the employees and we're going to Paris on vacation and we're all doing fun things at the office. Right. So there kind of became this track for success. And you, and like you were saying earlier, like you look back and you're kind of like, um, everybody is going through this like huge transition. Like these people that I kind of like put on a pedestal who had these offices and created these workplaces. And as I finished writing the book and my health started to decline, all of these markers of success that I unknowingly had achieved and hit, um, unknowingly meaning I didn't quite get that like I was making them mean so much and just by the community and the comparison that again was all really kind of unconscious that that those were markers of success. And so those markers, those markers of success were the result. Um, Having an office, having employees, having fun retreats or things that you do with your employees, having Mm -hmm. these photo shoots and all of it, yes, is about the work, but the kind of external trappings um, is, is a lot of the validating part. And so it's like, you know, like you're going to go maybe do a photo shoot or promote a product and it's all well and fine when you've got like a team of people and you got steady income and you're like, I'm not a crazy person taking pictures of myself. Um, (laughs) but, but when you don't have all of those trappings and markers of success, um, it's very easy to feel like a crazy person taking pictures of yourself. Like you're this delusional. And so, with that, who am I? Who am I to be doing this? Yeah. Yes. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I bring that up not to discredit or tear down anybody or online because we're, we're all doing it. We all don't know we're doing it in different ways in different communities. This is not, you know, the online, you know, um, brand building community online is not any different than the corporate world, right? right. It just shows differently. It shows differently. And so I'm sure people can apply this to themselves, but focusing on the process rather than the results really invites you to let go (laughs) of the external trappings, to let go of the external validation, to let go of the, the validation, the confirmation, the permission that those external trappings give you. 
And so that free agent of chaos, I remember when my, my, you know, one remaining full-time employee quit and then, you know, within a month I'd had this office space that, you know, I built up and painted and there's murals and like, just really so proud of it of five or six years having this, I think it was like seven or eight years, honestly, like having this space. Um, and within a couple of weeks, it was, I just decided to let it go and I'm mm-hmm. in there and I'm in so much physical pain. Um, I'm, I'm supposedly going to have a book come out. Right. And I'm painting over the mural. It just was like this, like surreal moment of you're like, like erasing everything that you've right. You're like yeah. erasing everything you've created. And I wasn't posting online and I wasn't putting my podcast out. So there were really none of these external validations of, yes, Allison, what you have to say is worthy. Yes, Allison, what you have to say is, is like, we're going to listen to it. All of those things floated away. And there was this brief moment when I'm sitting there and I actually fell off a ladder and like broke my tailbone. Oh my like, gosh. In the middle, in the middle of- Adding had, insult to injury. I had a, I had actual bowel blockages from like my internal dysfunction and then I like fell off a ladder. So it was like a whole thing. So it was like, <laughs> every, I think everybody feels like they've fallen off a ladder. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, this is as low as it will possibly get. Like collectively as humans, we've all hit that point. As and then soon as all- we think that, yeah, that's when the real low comes. And I think, you know, it's cute that we all hit it more or less together after 2020. During Yeah, in these last couple of years, for sure. In these last couple of years. So we're all sitting on the floor with broken tailbones and we're like, why are you not doing it? You know, it's hard. Like, everybody's not okay. Everybody's <laughs> not okay. <laughs> in the best way. Right. So, and in all of that, when it lifted just for a moment, when like all of this external validation was like pulled away, I started walking around my house being like, I'm a free agent of chaos. I'm a free agent of chaos. Like I can do whatever I want to do. I can do anything I want to do. I'm going to go paint. I'm going to go do flowers. I'm going to learn art. I'm going to do YouTube tutorials on how to draw. And I'm not sharing my progress and process along the way because when we're constantly creating content, okay, you're like, oh, I'm not a professional. No, when you're constantly sharing your life online, when you're, when you're continuously reporting on your actions, it is about the result and not about the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so often. Now, maybe you're like Miranda, one of the very, very few people who actually, no, I mean it, Miranda. You're like one of the few people who can navigate that and you, and you navigate it so beautifully where I remember talking to you when you wrote your book and you were like, yeah, I wrote it. And I like, it's great. Like, it's like, <laughs> and I was like, what do you, like, how are you okay? And you're like, I gave a keynote and I did this and I did a really good job. And I was like, what do you mean you think you did a good job? Like, what, like I don't even what understand. Are these words what? coming out of your mouth. I'm like, I don't understand how you can do work and then think it's okay after. Like, what, Feel like, good like, about like, it. like, truly, that was like, it was so earth shattering to me, like, mind blowing to me. It was such a good example to me. And I do think it's something that you've really exemplified throughout the years of all of the different things that you've done online, the different projects you've gone after, you show up, you do them, you have fun doing it. And it doesn't have to mean everything about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so that's a really long roundabout way of, of, of kind of, you know, taking, delving into, um, the results 
meaning everything about you rather than the process. And the thing about living in the process is it's so much more forgiving. Yeah. Right. You're going to, you're going to get an email from somebody saying, Hey, you just suck at this and you did a terrible job and you hurt me in this way and you were awful this way. And rather than the response being, wow, I, I do suck. I'm the worst. Like I better go change myself. I better go completely figure out how to be everything that this person says I need to be. You sit back and you're like, yeah, okay. That was their experience. Um, I'm going to keep my heart soft and open to, to hear what it is I need to hear. Um, but I'm a work in progress and you know, so it's like, even when your friends don't want to be friends with you anymore, even when your mom and dad tell you they're disappointed in you, when your husband tells you he's not interested in you anymore. I mean, these are like, like, how do you actually function Mm -hmm. (laughs) when these things happen? Right. And luckily I've had experiences that help me know, (laughs) but, but look, but really, I know that we can all relate to there's, there's certain people or markers of success, this external validation that even if we think we're untouchable, we usually are still pretty touchable, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We build up, we build up a lot of buffers. And even if we're like the most, uh, you know, savvy self-help, uh, self-development ninja, life coach ninja, um, we've often, and this is me, built these structures and systems and padded houses around ourselves, so that you don't, so things just don't touch those areas that really are your core sense of identity. And so when those things start to come crumbling down or they don't work the way you thought they would, I think that's when we're all just taken out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so if we're, if we're able to say, okay, I'm already awesome. <laughs> like, like I'm already awesome. And there's a practice that I share again and again in the book um, and I just gave it the acronym TAP. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this. Yeah, it's, uh, I was, you know, just riddled with anxiety at some point. And I was thinking about how to give voice and word to the system or practice that I had put in place for myself to get to um, a place of more compassion and a, pace, a place of more softness rather than this harsh inner critic. And it's just an acronym. It's really simple. It's tune in. Okay. So that's huge for me because when I go online and I tell everybody I feel like crap, or when I call my sister and I tell them I feel like crap, that's fine. That's great. I'm expressing feelings. But then if the expectation unconsciously or consciously is that they're going to validate why I'm not crap, that's, that still is a precarious situation to be in. Right. Cause, cause you're going to, you're going to run a, you're going to run into situations where nobody says the right thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, well they say they say the thing that they think, but it's not what you wanted them to say. So yeah. unless you're going to hand everyone a script and say this is what yes. I need to hear right now, could you please say these exact things? Yes. Then, you know, then you're not going to you're not always going to get it from from other people. And, and in fact, I, I think even the the question, like the seeking of validation is an expression of that self-doubt that you're rather than being able to like just sit in the feeling that you're having of, you know, whether it's I don't look good enough or my business didn't make enough money or I'm not a great mom or whatever those like negative feelings you like starting to 
request validation or seek validation is almost like an indicator that like, oh, this is where I really do need to tune in. Because if I'm looking for someone else to tell me that I'm doing it well, I don't believe that I am. I love that. That's, that's exactly it. And I also think with this tune in, it's, let's say you get that feedback that wrecks you. It just wrecks you. And you can tune in and say, oh, wow, like this really hurts my feeling. Like I'm mad or I'm sad or I'm in shock. I'm disappointed. And you would be mind blown or not to to realize how often we just don't do that one step of tuning in. And so then we immediately, we feel the physical um, or sensation of discomfort and don't take a moment to tune into it, to acknowledge it, to even give it any space and, and then bypass it to whatever the solve, whatever the fix is going to be, mm-hmm. right? And so it's tune in and then accept is the A. So tune in. Okay, I got this feedback that's rocking me. Um, oh, I, I have to give up my office space and I feel like a complete fraud and I don't have any team members left. And I thought I built this business and I thought I was really cute, this boss babe, right? Like, like yeah. I'm valid, I'm valid, I'm valid, I'm valid. Except, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe I did need a ton of validation. Who cares? Like, why is that so horrible? Like, why why should I hide in so much shame over wanting to be validated? Like, like have some compassion with that acceptance. If you can bring compassion into it, then you're actually going to be able to accept, oh, it sounds like that person is really upset with me. Okay, I accept that they, they like, in this case, I'm the villain in their story. That sucks. Ooh, ouch. I accept that that sucks to feel like I'm the villain in someone's story. Because I don't want to be the villain in anyone's story. Right. Right. It feels so unfair that I worked so hard and I'm still the villain to this person or I'm still the victim to this person. Right. We go into these, those um, blame inducing roles. Right. Right. Um, And so the acceptance, when it can come from a place of I tune in, so I, I, I give some awareness to it and then I accept TA, right? To, like, and I think of it as a little finger tap. I'm a tap, yeah. tap. Taparoo, tap it up, tap, tap it out, tap, right? Tap, just tap, taparoo. Taparoo. Like it's just, I'm, and it really is, it's like, um, there's sections in the book that I called prevent the spiral. And because you start to notice that like, uh, you know, like all roads go to Rome, you know, all spirals, no matter where they start, they can start like your pants don't fit. You got, you, you know, somebody doesn't want to work with you. Your kid you know, is doing crappy stuff, whatever it is, they might all start at different places, but they all end in the same place for people. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So my spiral is, you know, I'm an idiot and on and on, right. Like it, it lands at the same place, even if it starts in a different place. Right. So the, so the tapping, like that exercise of tune in and accept it's to help prevent that spiral. Mm-hmm. And even if, um, sometimes like I come to like, I'm angry and that's huge for me. Like, I didn't know how to be angry till like a couple of years ago. Like, I didn't know that I wasn't getting angry because I just thought that it was like, you know, just kind of a waste of time. And like, I could just like take all the responsibility and accountability and just make it better. And then, you know, being angry is for like people who like to waste time and are like base and uncouth. Kind of, like, I, I didn't really think I thought that, but like, uh-huh. you know, and so except like, ooh, I'm angry. Ooh. Ooh, I'm a, ooh, I'm like a little fiery dragon. Wow, look how angry I am. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Like, and, and seriously, like in a really compassionate way where it's like, whoa, whoa, I am mad. Oh my gosh. I just said 20 F words in a row. That is some anger. Like I just envisioned like running that car off the road. Like I better pull over cause I'm an angry woman. Yes. Okay. Right. So it's like this, <laughs> this is my internal dialogue, right? Okay. Like, <laughs> where it's like, that acceptance is non is non-judgmental. Right. It's curious. Right? It's curious. It's curious. It's observational. And mm-hmm. I loved how you said like the different shifts in the book, the different chapters in the book, a kind of like cumulation of the different principles that I've shared over time. But I feel like the missing piece, um, there was a missing piece to like every like not a missing piece, but it was the level of awareness that I was at at the time. Mm-hmm. And and why I'm really proud of the book is the book is like up to level in awareness from anything that I've shared before, where really, really focusing on that compassionate acceptance before you pee, pick your focus yeah, and, and, and be present. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to bypass from understanding to presence, understanding to pick a new focus, um, tune in, pick a new focus. But there's that huge piece in the middle which is the A, which is acceptance, acceptance of your inherent wholeness, acceptance that regardless of the actions you take, regardless of your outer circumstances, you are still worth something. You're worth a lot. Yeah. You're divinely and inherently whole. And it's one thing to, to think it, to, to preach it, but to actually be put in the position with the circumstances of your life so that kind of the only option is to believe it for yourself, regardless of what anything else is saying. I mean, it's been rough, but I'm, I'm really, really grateful because like you can fight me on it all day long and I don't care. Like, I'm just, (laughs) I know, I know you're inherently whole. I know you're inherently whole. Like Mm -hmm. fight me. Sure. Like you can tell me why you're not. You can tell me why, you know, this abusive person isn't and this person isn't and this person isn't. I'm like, absolutely. Their actions, their behavior. No, but like, I believe in the divinity and the greatness of the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it. I know it. And that that practice of tune in, accept, pick your focus, come into the present, come into your power. That's what I provide throughout the book to, you know, try to get us there. I'm so glad that you brought up tap because I had it like written down and circled like, okay, tell me like about this practice. I'm so glad you went into the, the detail on these this idea and um, the book applies it to every single one of the shifts, this tap of, um, and it gives examples. I love that there's so many different examples because, you know, a lot of the women listening are probably don't relate a whole lot to like building a business and doing keynote speak or speeches and writing books. Although I'm sure there's some, but we all relate to this idea of feeling like our external validators, um, the amount of money that we make, the, um, quality of dinners that we feed our family, the type of car that we drive or the house that we live in, or the um, different degrees or certifications that we might have might have or have not, that all of these external things contribute so much to our understanding of who we are. The, your book really addresses the idea of if all of that goes away, what do you believe about yourself? And I think that that is a really, I mean, it's like such a crucial question. Very important question. Thank you. I am so excited about this quote that really jumped out at me. I felt a little personally attacked, I will be honest, because 
Oh, good. Okay, good. I, yes, tell me about it. <laughs> I was raised as a goal setter. This is like from my childhood. My We would do monthly goals. Oh, yeah. I would like go in my dad's office and we'd talk about like, what am I working on this month? And I'd write them down. He always taught me to write them down. My father was an intense student of Stephen Covey and like Franklin planners. And yeah, I mean, that was the era, right? These like very, like my dad's an entrepreneur and your dad is an entrepreneur. And so I think that they were taking all of these tools of um, business development, personal development, professional development, and just like piling them onto their (laughs) eight-year-olds. And so I learned from a very young age that if I want to accomplish anything or be worthwhile in any way in my life, I need to have decided ahead of time. I need to write it down. I need to put it on my mirror. I need to tell it to myself every day. And like, that's the way. And um, you talk in your book about goals not being the the pathway like this is blasphemy for me how can i get anywhere in my life without a goal the quote that i really like that kind of summed up your thought about it and then i want you to share how you feel about this is you trade goals for <laughs> intentions centered in your inherent self-worth then when you add in a sincere practice of having faith that you are already awesome this will always result in flow tell me about this idea of goals being traded for intentions centered in my inherent self-worth. Oh, I love that. So there was like a brief moment in time when I was like, I just want to name the book Goals Are Overrated. <laughs> like, because I just was... <laughs> it's a great title. I was feeling, I was feeling combative about yeah. it. Like, I was feeling... <laughs> yeah. um, so I love that you brought up that feeling of like, I feel slightly personally attacked because I felt personally, I personally attacked myself there. Right. Um, and you're, you're so incredible to be able to like, Ooh, there's a thought that makes me feel a certain way. Right. (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. But like, I, to this day, like live in a world of what is like, what is my next thing? And then I break it down into pieces so that I can do it and get there. And I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at abandoning a gold. Once I'm like, Oh, this doesn't feel good anymore. I realize I don't actually want that. Then I can let it go and like, and cut my losses. But I, I very much operate in a world of, of goals. So I'd love to be enlightened. Yes. Well, and also just think of it as it's just an idea to try on. Yeah. And I say this a lot throughout my book where it's like, hey, maybe this idea is going to help you in some way. Maybe you just really don't like it. That's cool too. Like uh, so, so often I've read books where it's years and years later where I'm like, oh, this is helpful to me now. Mm-hmm. Um and that's not to say like I, you're going to come to see how Allison is correct. No, that's <laughs> although gonna... I'd be totally willing to do that. Thank you. Well, thanks. Um, so I just spent so long uh, creating goals, and my ultimate goal was getting a book, getting a book deal. I mean, I started my blog, my Instagram, all of it. I wanted a book. And without really, truly realizing, I wanted to write a book without really, truly realizing I could have written a book at At any any time. (laughs) I could have written a book at any time, but back to that idea of waiting for some sort of outside achievement or validation to help me feel worthy of this. And the funniest, funniest part about it is the moment I (laughs) let it go is when it happened. Now that is an infuriating thing because you're like, I let it go and it still hasn't happened. I'm like, no, no, no. I get it. I've let go and it hasn't happened. Right. But trading goals for intention 
it inherently helps you focus on process rather than results. Mm -hmm. Trading goals for intention is a much more, um, in terms of energies, not sex or gender, but in terms of energies, it's a much more feminine energy. It's a much more creation-oriented energy. It's a much more process energy, Mm -hmm. intention, than the very masculine patriarchal, uh, but really achievement-oriented, goal-oriented, you are a result, you, your value as a result of what you contribute to the machine, mm-hmm. your value as a result of what you're outputting, your value as a result of what you are deciding you can do and then doing it. Um, and there's nothing like super inherently evil or, or wrong. It's just, if that's the only side of the story, you're going to feel really, really stressed and you're going to feel like nothing you do is ever enough. And you're going to do a full day of work and go to bed and just be stressed about the next full day of work. There's an example I give in my book, my friends, Alexis and Shantae, who do Let's Talk Sis. And they were talking about how they just, um, you know, like I want a full day of activities for my kids and I want to be able to get work done. And my husband has a stressful job, so I really need to be able to support him. And right, like all of these things. And then you go to bed every night, just exhausted right not not really able to focus on the beautiful life that I'm sure you've created or the beautiful life that is just um one thought shift away right and so the this idea of trading your goals for intentions is this is what I did with the book is I said my intention is to have joy in the process it's not a goal of how many books I'm going to sell It's not a goal of how much publicity I'm going to get. There is no goal of how much money I'm going to make. And this is something that took me years and years to really put into practice. And it was interesting to see as I tried to shift and work in flow and invite the people who worked with me to work in flow, how hard they would fight. But I'm not working. But I'm not, I'm not working. I'm like, no, you are. It just feels a lot more. And they're like, but I'm not, I'm not, because they want the tasks and the grind and uh-huh. the achievement. The to-do and- list. I love a checklist. Yeah, because it's a very tangible um, way to accomplish and achieve. Yeah. And I think I think there's definitely a place for that. Um, the focus of my book is you're already awesome. And it, if I can leave people with like one huge like testimony, like amen, hallelujah, it is that if you put the intention in and you really commit to the intention, you're going to hit your goals and your wildest dreams. Like absolutely, absolutely. And you're going to be able to do them and feel them and enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So people are asking me like, how do you feel the book's coming out? You know, how do you feel? And I'm like, honestly, I just feel like in shock and grateful that I can go to sleep every night, not worried about it. Yeah. Like that's how I feel. That's how I feel. How I feel is it shocked that I'm okay. Like I'm like, like, and I'm like, is this like me like numbing out and like saying I'm okay? Like I even question my okay. Your own okayness. Like I shouldn't be okay right now. If I know myself, I know that this is probably wrong. No, I should be freaking out. And, um, but it's just, it's, just a dedicated practice. It's a dedicated practice for turning those goals into intentions. And so a very concrete example of that would be, I want to run five times a week. I want to run a marathon, right? So that's a goal. Mm -hmm. I'm actually training for a marathon right now. And bless you. 
I yeah, well, I mean, if you weren't crazy before, now you've confirmed it. I've, well, you know, I've I've already run some. I, it's been a long time, and so here I am, you know, with a lot going on, and and my physical health was really really low. So I'm like starting from like just going for walks, yeah. right? Like I was in bed for basically over a year. I mean, we're talking like. I'm out for a walk one day and I'm like, I should totally run a marathon. I'm like, okay, why? There's never any in between. Right, right. So I I started thinking about it and, you know, first I was beating myself up for trying to create this crazy goal and that, right? Like the whole thing. And then I was like, okay, my intention is to, I have a lot of energy. I, I have a lot of, um, like kind of anxious energy that I've worked on regulating my nervous system and I I need to process a lot of emotion and going for long format walks and runs really helps me do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this contributes to an overall um, positive thing in my life. Yeah. Physical and well-being, emotional well-being, well-being, like as a whole. Yeah. And so I went and I did a keynote, like in the middle of being really sick, I went and did a keynote. It was like one that I had scheduled. I was really excited to do it. And I was up there on stage, still, still pretty sick, but like the adrenaline, you know, kicking in. And I was, I mean, I was so tired after I was like, how am I going to be like on tour for my book? How, like, I'm not like, how am I going to be able to like have the physical stamina to, to live the life that I want to live. And so I started to think about this, what we could call a goal of running a marathon, right? And kind of comparing to what would really help me feel um, centered, happy, more joyful, a little bit better in life. And when I realized that my intention <laughs> was to sleep better at night, my intention was to process emotions to really give my space, give myself space on a daily basis to clear and be in nature and be by the river and be by water. This intention to do that really aligned with this goal of running a marathon, right? So then enter Allison signs up for the marathon and there's a training schedule. And in the past, when I would train for races, I mean, I was in Guatemala training. Like I ran in circles on a track because I was in Guatemala. I was not going to skip a day of training. I was in China. Wow. That's commitment. Or a little nutty nut, right? Like it's a, (laughs) is it commitment, Miranda? That's the question. Like, yeah, got a lot done, but my body broke down at 38. So, um, right. Right. that's, That's just the truth of it. And so I'm, looking at my training schedule and even this week I've missed a couple of runs and I can go back to I'm so glad that I signed up for the marathon because I love um just the idea this that little bit of structure that little bit of inspired structure so that you can free flowly and be that inspired agent of chaos right but yeah getting a little bit of organization in place so that you can flow within the organization. So that's what training for a marathon really is about for me. Is it about the actual goal of running the marathon? Like only time will tell. Because going back, looking back so many times I was forcing my body 
to do what it really wasn't in a place to do like over and over. And then I get injured over and over and over. So I have the intention to run the marathon. I'm working towards doing that. I'm enjoying the process of all the benefits that daily and not daily, like, you know, every other daily running and walking does for me. But then I'm also giving myself permission. If what if I sign up for the half marathon, right? What if I sign up for the 10 K like that's fine too. And in the past that would have been unacceptable to me. That would have just been completely right. That would have been failure or like giving up. It would have been a huge failure. Uh And even me publicly declaring that I was going to do it and saying it, I was okay if I didn't do it, there still probably would have been a little bit of dialogue in the back of my head, like, oh man, you better do it now. Are people going to think you're, you're going to be a failure. Right. And it's just so, Mm -hmm. it's so fun and free that I'm just like, "Ah, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it if it feels good. I think this, I, I think that the way that I think about goals is probably more similar to the, I mean, at least lately, like in the last five years that, because I, I do think that there's a lot of value in, um, thinking ahead, um, getting an idea, like some clarity around what we desire in our life, what we want our, our days and our weeks and our, our lives to feel like and pointing ourselves in that direction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes something like a, like an end result type of, uh, you know, like something like running a marathon, that's like a, a structured, finite, time sensitive, you know, it, everyone would say that's a smart goal, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you can measure it, it's measure, whatever. You put that on the calendar. But then this idea of, I'm going to allow myself to feel all along the way. So I'm not running a marathon because I want to become a marathon runner and have that be my profession or, or win the race or anything like that, or even finish it or even run that particular race, just that that points you in the direction of being physically and emotionally well in the way that you want to in order to live your everyday life according to the desires that you have for how that feels. Absolutely. And I just want to go, I want to like double down one step harder with you because I think so many people they get so well, because I've coached thousands of people, right? Like they they literally just get blocked where they're like, I don't know. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if I want to train for a marathon. I don't know if I want to do this. And so they continue to change the circumstances. They maybe they move states, maybe they change partners, maybe they change careers. They continue or or they shut down because it's so overwhelming to try to know. And what I'm suggesting is that if you go tune in, right? If you Mm -hmm. tune in, if you take the time to really get, like think of it as like getting in character, getting in character of your true character. The action that arises is effortless. So this morning I'm sitting in bed and I have an event to launch. I have all of these assets that need to be happening, like contracts that need to happen, all this kind of administrative work that I just, is such a chore. I hate it. I don't like doing it. I don't want to do it. Right. Uh And, and it's all, it's all time sensitive. And rather than what I would have done before is, okay, I'm going to get a list and I'm going to write it all down. I'm going to make little check boxes and I'm going to go through. I now know that if I literally just spend 10 to 20 minutes getting myself to a place of ease, getting myself to a place of acceptance, getting myself to a place of surrender, getting myself to a place of knowing I'm inherently whole of regardless what gets done, 
the action arises without the effort, without the hustle, mm-hmm. without the force, without the coercion. Like effort, yes. Force, no. Work, right? Yes, but this like striving, this like scrambling, and yeah. it it really will blow your mind. And people are like, oh, like the law of attraction, you just sit around and do nothing. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really an understanding of the law of attraction. But <gasps> right, like that's, you kind of, then you kind of only know, like I had a therapist one time, like tell me how stupid the law of attraction was. And I was like, well, what's your understanding of the law of attraction? And he told me what it was. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really stupid to me too. <laughs> like that's not Yeah. It. Yeah. Like that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless of, of how you feel about that, if, if the intention becomes to feel your inherent wholeness. So in the book, I keep saying, if the intention is to feel awesome now, essentially what I'm saying is to feel an awareness of your expansive consciousness now, to feel that you are this untethered soul, right? Right now, Mm -hmm. feel it now. If that becomes the intention, the actions, the work, the money, that will arise from that place is infinitely more beautiful, um, more joyful, and more abundant than anything you're going to sit down in your day planner and figure out. And I am shocked at the amount of details, at the amount of organizational work. And and I am a nonlinear thinker. Like there's a little bit of like, this is my personality, right? You try to get me linear. I've realized this. You try to get me linear and I'm like, I, it's funny because like you just owned like freedom as your core value from like day one. And it's taken me quite some time to realize freedom might be my number one core value. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> you try to tell me what to do. And I like, I'm like, oh, you buck against that. Yeah, I do. But like, I buck against the idea that I even buck against it. So like, <laughs> right, right. Well, because you don't want anyone to tell you what yeah. you think or feel. You, you want that all to like that is owned by you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's delightful. Um, but but even the amount of like action that gets done during the day and quote unquote work that gets done during the day that just used to feel so unmanageable. And like, if I didn't write it down, you know, we were talking about our dads. One of my dad's favorite quotes is a goal not written is only a wish. If it's to be, it's up to me. Right. Yeah, so there you like, go. That could have been that could have been painted on my wall as a child. Right. right? That could have been <laughs> painted on my wall my whole career, my uh-huh. whole life. And within the last four or five years, and and because of just seriously, like I decided I would do anything to not live in that constant state of anxiety anymore. Like anything. And yeah. it took everything. <laughs> um, it was a complete and total death. But the rebirth really is just I see like the blades of grass clearer I see Mm -hmm. like individual insects and flowers I I notice things in my neighborhood I notice the detail on my husband's face like so many of us are living in such a state of dysregulated nervous systems trauma PTSD hustle anxiety and then we bring goals in as kind of like this structure to corral and organize our internal chaos. And yeah. it I just want to know if, how it's working for everybody. Like I just like, yeah. just, like <laughs> well, I think we can look working. around and see, right? Like how's, how's that working for you? Um, right. and I just listen, like it is it is dire straits over here with like me trying to scramble together getting this book out and 
pay for things after like being sick for so long. My husband and I were both self-employed. And even just a few days ago, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to scrap it. I'm not going to do these big events. I'm not, you know, I don't have sponsors. I don't have money to pay for it. The, the publishing company doesn't pay for it. Right. And right. I'm, I'm being irresponsible. I'm being delusional. But I have that like inner knowing that that is the that that's the step to take. So even it's like that in a movie, they call it suspension of disbelief, right? So you you can you continue to have that suspension of disbelief in yourself, like against all odds, against the circumstances, against what the books look like. Mm-hmm. I trust this inner knowing, and the the work, the goals, the accomplishments, the achievements, the results that bloom from that space are phenomenal. Right. And I just, I believe in that for everybody. Now, um, there's basic needs that need to be met, right? There's basic needs yeah. that need to be met. There's basic needs. People, so many people don't have basic needs of safety met. They don't have basic needs of food to eat met. And so you can come in and say, this is really indulgent. This is, you know, really narcissistic or privileged and sure. Okay. Maybe it is, but, but if those of us who do have our basic needs met, are able to have more capacity, more space to learn, to accept, to share, to serve, because we're not so freaking stressed out about proving our worth and our goodness. Does that not help? And that, and that's kind of, that's, that's where I land on that, where I'm like, you know what? I love to say, okay, if I believed this, great. But if everyone around me believed this, how would that serve the world? And if everyone around believed that they got to go about their days and the action that they took um, and, and what they created and what they offered that day was enough and they went to bed and the next day they could wake up fresh and open, um, I think we'd be in a better spot. So I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I have a couple of thoughts um, from what you said that I want to, well, a question that I want to go over. So you mentioned like, you have these logistical things you want to do or that you don't want to do. You have them. They're necessary. Like, you know, some of the administrative things and you don't feel like doing them. So you take the time to get yourself into an aligned, creative, open, lighthearted space. What does that practice look like for you? Like, how do you go from uh, the resisting and the, I don't have the motivation or energy to do all of these like little things that don't feel fun. What does it look like to get from that place that if you did do it, that would have been more frantic action into a more flow place of, um, of doing the things, but doing them from a different energy. That's such a good question. So and that's a personal question. Cause I'm sure yeah. it won't be different. You know, it'll, it'll be different for everyone. I'm curious about what that looks like for you. Absolutely. So this morning, the practice looked like me spending 20 minutes in my bed quiet mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a guided meditation. It wasn't any specific thing other than sitting back. So leaning back and observing where I was coming at these tasks from. I was coming at these tasks from this place of overwhelm and a little rebellion and I don't want to do it. And so even just like, again, that, the, that practice of tune and accept and pick your focus, right? So tuning Mm -hmm. into, okay, I know from, because I'm so like, I can pull on my past, like sometimes you can get like scientific about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, 
I recognized, and, and when you observe and, and things aren't so personal, you're able to observe and, and be more compassionate, right? So, right. And, and what I mean by personal is when every single rough thing doesn't mean that you're a failure and you're terrible, it's less personal because you're already awesome. Okay. You're already awesome. So I'm already awesome. I don't have to achieve all of these things to prove myself or to make sure that I'm controlling the way my life's going to work out. So I'm laying in bed. I know that. How do I put that into practice? Well, the first thing I do to put it into practice is observe. I'm tuning in. I'm observing. Well, if I... If I come at these tasks from this place, it is going to feel like I'm pushing a rock up a mountain. And in mm-hmm. the past, that might have given me like this sense of validation and um, worth because I'm a really hard worker, right? So like right. I'm I, I'm showing up and I'm fighting anyway. Um, so, but instead, what I did is I said, okay, well, let's do this. I'm not going to do any of it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to do any of it. I don't want to do any of it. I'm not going to do any of it. I'm going to, what do I, what have I committed to today other than all of these little administrative things? Right. And they were things I was excited about. I was taking my daughter to this really, really cute princess camp where it's like they sing and they do crafts, but it's all about like, you know, you're a princess, not because of what you wear, but you're a princess. Like, it's just like, she's so smart about it. So, like empowerment. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's like feminist princess camp. So I'm yeah, taking, I love it. yeah, it's so good. So, um, I'm taking my daughter to this princess camp. I love the woman putting it on. So I'm going to say hi to her. Okay. Um, oh, I get to do pickups, meaning there's a few little words here and there in my audiobook that I get to, um, re-record. And you know, that's not hard. I can sit down and record some words and that was going to take place at nine 30. And, oh, I've got this awesome conversation that's going to happen with my friend Miranda at 11. Right. And, and so I'm like, okay, that's wow. That's actually like, (laughs) that's like just before noon. That's like, that's a lot to do before noon, not a lot to do, but that's, that's a, you know, I still got my two kids roaming around the house. It's summer. Um, that. So I'm like, let's just go ahead and do that. Okay, so here's what happens. I actually then check my email after I get into this relaxed place and get like kind of a pretty rough email. And Mm -hmm. so then I take another moment (laughs) to be like, yeah, woo, that's rough. What, Eric, I want a donut and a Diet Coke. Absolutely, that's going to peak my blood sugar. And that's, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do some emotional comfort eating. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, I'm even just like being compassionate in my emotional blur, like blur, right? Yeah. And so then I, you know, I go and I do that. I come back, I do the, I do the audio pickups. And then there's kind of like 45 minutes in between when I need to talk to you. And I got through half of the administrative things without even forcing myself to do it. Mm-hmm. That window of time just kind of popped up and I had my computer out. So do you see what I'm saying where I'm like, I just had like faith. Honestly, I just had faith that I'm going to do those things because they're things I've chosen to do. And I find when I really, really, really can't get something done, it's not the right time or it's not something that's right for me. It's not the right. right. It's not. And so rather than back to that idea of like setting the goals and like I got to hustle and force if you even just practice doing this for one day, like shoot me an email, let me know how it goes for you. Like, I would love to hear it. Like your, your mind is just going to be so blown if you don't walk through your day, like shaming yourself into doing everything. Totally. 
And I, I think that there are definitely some people out there and Miranda, I think you fall into this category where you're not necessarily operating from a place of self-induced shame and like criticism. You're like, you're like, I'm like I said before, you're like, yeah, yeah. I did, I did a, you know, and it went well. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't have to like rake yourself over the coals and like, <laughs> right. And analyze everything you said. Right. So this is going to be different for different personalities, but even for your personality of go, 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 go. And you're, and you're kind to yourself about it. Mm-hmm. Um, just giving yourself permission to, to have faith that those details come together. And so, so often what I find is all of the little things I like thought I had to get done, like half of them either get done on their own or I didn't actually have to even do them. Totally. That's actually, I think, such an important point with this, like kind of acting out of alignment and just feeling, allowing yourself to kind of feel good while you're doing things rather than always feeling like you have to muscle through them. Yeah. That I I love what you said about I either, like these are things I chose to do. And at some point, like, I decided to do this. I wanted to do this. So like there is that place of wanting in me. And at this moment, I just don't happen to feel that, but that doesn't mean that it's not there, you know? And if it isn't, if I don't get back to that place, that's where I abandon goals that I'm like, I wanted to do this, but now things have changed either inside me or in my circumstances. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like something I want to do anymore. And so then that's when I'll, you know, kind of cut it loose and say, well, okay, I, I thought that was a good idea and turns out it's not because I hate it. So I'm not going to do it anymore, you know? Yeah. But I think that there are, like, I think it is a really interesting idea to stay present in and allow yourself to just be in tune with how you're feeling through the day rather than feeling like, I think what most of us do and what we've been taught to do is shut down all of your emotions in order to get the thing done. <laughs> yes. And I, you and know, the re- and the shut re- it all down so that you can just muscle through it. And here's the thing. You had a front row seat and you watched me do it. You watched mm-hmm. me do it. You watched me have an anxiety attack and get up and do a workshop. You like, you watched it. You saw it. You were there mm-hmm. and I got the results. I absolutely got the results. My body freaking shut down. Yeah. Like it shut down. It stopped being able to operate. And um, among other things, right? That's just like a really concise way to put it. And I don't say that as, again, like crypt keeper from the grave, don't do this or else. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I I say it from a place of, I just, you know, I see these 14-year-old kids in my neighborhood. I see these 20-year-old girls that, you know, will help me out with babysitting and I build relationships with and they just are beating the crap out of themselves and shaming themselves and believing that they need to be more and do more. And, you know, we're, we're all passing this on to each other and without really meaning to. And it's like, we've all signed up and subscribed for this program of life that isn't really serving us. And so that's so much of my book. You're already awesome. Is just kind of asking you to more compassionately look at how you feel about things, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Even even right there, like where you're like, "Hey, I read this and I felt personally attacked." It's like awesome. Like that's that's like causing you to look at how you feel about goals and how you feel yeah. about. And you might even walk away after reading the book and still feel how you feel, but you're gonna have more peace and understanding around why maybe you feel that way and that would be 
in my book, a huge victory. And so it it really is such a beautiful place to be able to offer this book without needing to prove myself, without needing to have other people validate it. Like when you tell me you read it, I'm just surprised. Like even the people I send it to like early and they tell me they read it. I'm like, you did? Oh my gosh, thank you. I just think I have and, and so it's been so freeing, like rather than getting on the phone call and like, if the first thing you don't, if the, the first thing you say isn't, this is the best book, Allison, I'm not like sitting here like, oh my gosh, does she like my book? Oh my God. Right. Like, yeah, it's just very freeing. It's very, very, right. freeing. it's very freeing. Yeah. And it just invites, it just, it invites so much more capacity and compassion for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I hope. I think that. Yeah, that plays really nicely with this the this next point that maybe will be the last point um, that I just love. So just like the last one, I was like, mm, felt personally attacked. This one, I was like, yes, hallelujah. I feel this way. Like, I definitely agree with this. And I think that it's, I feel like I'm preaching this often to, um, to my audiences and to my community as well, the importance of rest. And you touched on it even in like what you did to prepare yourself from that like resentfulness of what you had planned for the day into actually these things are kind of going to ease their way into my schedule because you took that time to stay in bed, to process a little Mm -hmm. bit, to Mm -hmm. go on a walk, to enjoy things. Um, There was a quote from the book that I really love that says, um, I now know rest is part of a cycle that makes me whole. So I reassigned all the positive self-talk I had reserved for when I was doing awesome by getting lots done by allowing myself to believe the same as I rested and healed. Tell me a little bit more about your new understanding of rest and its importance. Thank you. So the first time I applied that principle was in at the end of 2017, I was running and I got hit by a car. And that was really in the height of achieving, accomplishing, throwing events. Like everything was on this big upward trajectory for me and my business. Um, And my body, you know, I was like in really good shape and I was counting all my calories, like all this kind of really like harsh, um, you know, I was doing great because every single goal that I had set, I was crushing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like manipulation of of choices. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I get hit and, uh, all of the ways that I was crushing it, I'm no longer crushing it because I can't do anything because I have broken ribs and fractured vertebrae and I'm in bed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I first started to realize like how harsh that internal dialogue that I thought that I had improved and I definitely had improved it, but it still was very, very harsh where you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I got hit by an actual car and I still feel guilty for not doing enough. Like this is, this is insane. Like like, it just was one of those moments where it was like, I guess it took me getting by a car to be able to see it. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm. and everybody has been hit by whatever their car is. Like, that's the thing you're like, oh, I don't know what it's like to get hit by a car. I'm like, you probably do though. Like you probably do. We've all been hit by Yeah, it. yeah. Whatever that proverbial thing is, yeah, it kind of stops yeah. you in your tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And like I remember I woke up the day after and I had this like black eye and I my whole body was so sore. You know, the broken ribs, but like everything hurt. 
And I was like, oh man, before like I thought about it, I was like, oh man, I feel like I got hit by a car. And I was like, I did, I did get hit by a car. It's really funny now. It wasn't funny then. (laughs) Probably was not funny then. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't funny then. I get to laugh. But um, you get to laugh. We get to laugh about it. But we can laugh about it now. (laughs) No one else gets to laugh about it but me. Okay. So, so I started to kind of have this awareness. And so I would start, you know, verbalizing. I'm really big in verbal affirmations, right? (laughs) I wrote a book. And I'd be like, I'm doing awesome laying in bed. I'm doing awesome sitting here. I'm doing so awesome allowing my 80-year-old neighbor to bring me dinner. Oh my gosh, like, that sucks watching her barely be able to walk and she's bringing me dinner, you know? like, yeah. Yeah, and so it kind of started there. And then last year, year and a half, two years, when I was literally just out for the count and, like, my business was still running, you know, even though I had been hit, my money was still coming in. I was still selling stuff, but over the last Mm -hmm. year and a half, there were no external markers. There was no money. There was no business. There was no online. Oh, Allison, you're so great. Right. It was, Mm -hmm. it was just me healing with a very small circle of people and, you know, drawing from that. I'm so, I'm so proud of myself because in the past, when the, there's not money or, um, you know, something needs to happen, I would have put my physical body beneath whatever other thing needed to get done. I would have put yeah, my- Yeah, like the produ- productivity- yeah. Productivity Would overall. have eliminated. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And because of how much physical pain I was in, because of how much discomfort I was in, um, it, it was kind of like that realization of like, I was hit by a car and I mean, I was still up a couple months later, albeit on muscle relaxers, teaching a workshop. And that's, that's what I needed to do then. Right. That's what I needed to do then. And so no, no shame on that girl. Right. She did the best she could, but I'm, I was like, there was no option, but to heal. There was no option. It was like, I'll have to kill myself or die because I can't continue to live in this much pain. And, um, and so it, you know, to hit that that point, and and realize, you know, remember when I got hit by a car and it felt like I would never heal, and it took three and a half years and different physical therapists, and I thought the neck pain and the headaches would never go away. It is better now, and mm-hmm. just like it felt like in the middle of that, you know, deep, deep, deep discomfort, physical pain, depression, all of it, that it would never get better, and it really did. I mean, specialist after specialist after specialist, like nothing, nothing, nothing. Am I crazy? Right. Like, um, being proud of myself for not putting my health at jeopardy again. Yeah. Um, I'm, I just, I'm done, I'm done doing it. It's like, I, I had written my book. I I'm going to practice what I preach and I, I practice self-compassion and self-compassion includes rest. Self-compassion includes healing. Self-compassion includes letting go of relationships that aren't serving you anymore. Um, even if you value yourself as a really loyal person, right? Self-compassion includes forgiveness and forgiveness requires self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You, if you think you can forgive without forgiving yourself, you like that's, you can't do it. It, it just, it's, right. it's, like, it's a facade, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It, it does. It starts with 
one, like we only have the capacity to have the amount of compassion and love and forgiveness for other people that we have for ourselves. It's so true. That's where it begins. I'm curious how and when, like what does um, this physical and emotional rest look like in your life right now as you're, you know, healing still, but also preparing to launch your book this week to go on a book tour to, you know, I, I don't know exactly. You could tell me what's next for you. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, how are you going to find, find that kind of juggle of, of maintaining this rest as I love how you say that like the rest is as important as the productivity, like it is productive. And actually I love, there's so many great studies that show the actual like scientific evidence of that, that you going to sleep and then waking up to finish a task, you have three times the mental clarity in the morning as you do at night. So you actually are better off resting and yeah. not pushing through all the time. Yet, why do we keep, you know, I, I think just the societal culture is to just hustle, hustle, hustle and to not take time for rest. But rest is as or more productive as the actual, you know, accomplishing of things. So what, is, what are you what are your plans or what are you currently doing to make sure that rest maintains um Uh, like a position of importance in your life, even as you kind of step back into maybe a more public space with the book coming out. Yeah. Thank you. Cause that, that was a really like stressful, I'm not sure how to do that. What's it going to look like? And so of course, what did I do? I had to just let it go and say, and not try to figure it out, not try to plan it, not try to have a system for it. Right. Like I just Mm -hmm. had to have that it was going to, you know, what, what it would look like in practice. And you know, a perfect example of it was yesterday I had a conversation with Mallory. Mallory is like an executive assistant, but so much more than that. She lives in Arizona. So we speak over the phone and she had just been sick and I had been out of town and we literally have so much piling, piling, you know, coming up and we got on the phone and we spent two hours on the phone and she was still pretty sick. And Mm -hmm. I had done, you know, worked like 12 hours the day before, like just had a really, and it was really fun, but it was a really big work day, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was pretty tired and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just feel like there's still so much. And I said, Hey, we're doing as much as we can do without it risking our physical, mental, emotional health. And that's, that's what, that's what we're, we're doing now. Right. Like that's what we signed up for now. And Mm -hmm. so everything that doesn't get done, the editors, the people, the PR, you know, anything that people are asking for that's not getting done, it's not getting done. The bill that needs to get paid, I don't have the money to pay it. So it's not getting paid yet. And it's Yeah, yeah. It's it's, okay to put a pause on things. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I, and then I got in my bed and cuddled and watched a movie with my two girls and made dinner. And had so much fun making dinner because there's fresh herbs in my garden. And it seems so small, but like, I didn't do those things. I just kept working. I just always kept working. And so what I do is I just say whatever, whatever gets done is what can get done. And if it didn't get done, it couldn't have gotten done. There's no like, well, I sat in my bed for three hours and I I could have spent that time doing this. And I did start to go there today for a minute this morning, right? When I woke up and felt bleh. Um, and, yeah. and I was like, no, I I needed the I need the reset. There's a lot of emotions. There's there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot going on. And um, you know, like 
what like what is what is life like what's what is it that we want what is it that um is truly of the most importance and um I was talking to a friend recently and she was talking about her and her business partner and for her her like core goal is peace and her business partner it's freedom and you know getting that understanding these are very high level thinking women they're psychologists you know and and I was like thinking about that for myself. And it's interesting because that, that idea of, I I love the freedom. I do. I love, I love the freedom and maybe it's peace and and maybe it's both. Sometimes it's peace and it's freedom, but if it's going to, at this point in the game, if it's going to encroach on my peace and freedom, it's not worth it. It's not Mm -hmm. worth it anymore. And so does that mean that I go throughout all day, every day, just feeling flowy and awesome and good? No, I feel like an idiot. Right. But I, (laughs) but, but I come back, I come back to the place. I come back. That's the home. It's like returning home, returning home. Yeah. Returning home. Yeah. I love that. And it, it feels really good. So I'm excited. I'm excited to share. I'm just excited to share with other people and, I'm really excited for the book to come out, um, which again, that's crazy that I'm excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not dreading it. I, and and really like, you know, I used to just sit around thinking all of the ways that people are going to tear me down or not agree with what I have to say. And when you, when you write from that place, that's like, that's not, that's not my, that's this not defensive. My yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, that comes across the defensiveness, yeah. the defensiveness comes across. And so I'm, I'm really, really, really proud that when I wrote the book and as I've done everything for the book, that's not the place I wrote it from. I'm, I'm writing it for the person who just wants to feel, um, how awesome they are without, um, having to change their entire self to do it. Yeah. I love that. I, I feel like I relate to this idea of, um, I mean, I remember getting ready to, books are so funny because you put so much, they're so front loaded. I mean, they're like years and years of work and then just this big giant pause before it actually like hits the world. And so there's a lot of space to kind of stew. Um, and I felt like my actual, like the day that my book was born, was available, was shipped out, like all of, you know, the actual launch day was so anticlimactic because all of the big things had happened before. They were like the actual writing and processing and editing and, and even pre-orders and talking about it. And when it was finally out, it was kind of like, oh, almost like a, a sigh, like a relief rather than mm. having that be the peak of the mountain. Yeah. Like I was already on my way back down, f- just feeling like the accomplishment had happened far before the actual launch, because that what happens from here on out is all in other people's hands. It, and that's, that's it. Everything that you had to contribute it. is done. Like you've that's done it. your piece. That's and it. And there's so, something really sweet about that. It's really funny, you know, people, my family or other people, right? Like we've got a bunch of entrepreneurs. What's your goals? How many copies do you want to sell? How, how much of this, how much of this, how much money, how much of this? And I'm just like, I already played that game and I'm not going to play it anymore. You can't make me play it. You guys can all go look at the numbers. You can all go chart it. It makes me sad. Looking at the numbers makes me sad. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And you've, you've always been such an awesome example of that. And I've, and I, I've thought about you. Um, I'm sitting in the same spot I was sitting when I interviewed you about your book like, you know, those years ago. And 
just it's been it's been really fun just having your really awesome example of enjoying the process because I think that's something that you have always been exceptional at. So good yeah, job, I Miranda. Appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I want to say too for people who are listening who are you know maybe are longtime listeners to my podcast and like we talk a lot about living life with intention and purpose in the process and um, self-development as like a, you know, a, a core piece of like just being who we are and, and not needing to add all of the external things. And even from that place where like, this is what I've been doing and talking about and teaching and writing about and thinking about and living for the last many years, I read your book and was uplifted, inspired. I had things to highlight. I had things that I learned, stories that I have heard before that you've told me before that I was so happy that you included because I had forgotten them or I had forgotten key pieces of them. Um, And I know that this is something that I'm going to be able to go back to. And you mentioned in the beginning of the book, it's organized in a way that like, if you're having a bad day, I want you to be able to just flip open to one of these chapters, one of these shifts and, you know, have it help bring you back to who you are. And I love you use this phrase and I don't know where it's, where it's from. If you got it from somewhere, if you came up with it on your own, you use the, the phrase, the seat of the soul. It's a, like it's the name inviting of a book, people the seat back. of the soul. Oh. It's um, Gary Zukov and it's an incredible book. Yeah. But the I love seat that. Of the soul. It's such, that, a, it's it's such a good visual. And you, mm-hmm. you kind of yeah. do this calling back of like inviting people back into the seat of the soul. And I feel like that is where we find all truth all of our awesomeness, all of our, um, our power and that inherent worth is in this place. That's just so deep within us. Um, and this book and your message are are such a great invitation back to that. So I, I just appreciate it so much. And I'm so excited for everyone else to get a chance to read it. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate it so much. Um, thank you for reading it. Thank you for having me. And I just, um, I'm really, really, grateful that you know I I your messages I love our messages are always like weaving together and growing together and I I love the community that you have and I'm I'm really happy to be able to to say hi to all your (laughs) yeah they love you thank you yeah thank you for being here so I'll make sure that the book is linked in the show notes and um and Allison's podcast awesome with Allison that I've talked about that um is also so great and so fun and I love Eric Eric's Eric's my favorite too so um (laughs) get a chance to listen to Eric um so yeah thanks so much for being here and I will chat with you soon okay thanks bye okay bye Thank you so much for tuning in today to Live Free Creative Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this candid conversation with Allison Faulkner about finding the stillness and breaking through the weeds in order to discover what you might already secretly know, that you're already as awesome as you need to be right now. Check out her book, You're Already Awesome, everywhere you can find books. I will have a link for it in the show notes. I hope that you enjoy And I want to just thank you for listening here, for tuning in your attention to Live Free Creative, whether it's every so often or every single week. I hope that what I'm sharing here helps you feel like you can live the life of your dreams. I'll chat with you again next week. It's going to be episode two freaking hundred next week. I'm so excited. I'll chat with you then. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.